Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Sermon title today is, Why Are You Here? Don't ask each other that. I'm going to tell you why you're here. (laughs) You might not know why you're here, but it's important that we ask some questions as we move into new seasons. And I don't know... um, I'm not even going to ask for hands today. How many of you felt a little pressure this week? How many felt a little bit of an enemy attack, a little something, something uh, in the atmosphere? I love that when we went into praise today, it just kind of blows stuff open. You know what? Like the high praises, you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And even this weekend, um, Maya's, Maya's up there. How many of you were at the park on Friday night? Yes! It was awesome! It was so good, like hundreds of people out praising God, just declaring his goodness over the city. It was so good. So thank you, Maya, for spearheading that and to everybody who served and was part of it. And we just know that God is on the move. Um, And so when that happens, when we're moving with him and we're experiencing new things, new, new territory, we bump into some new things in those new territories. And sometimes we have to pause for a little minute and make sure that we're established in, in our confidence in God as we move forward. So it's kind of that thing, like you can you know, you can feel strong in a certain area, like, you know, say you're at the gym and you're, you know, you're doing the, the Stairmaster thing or whatever, and it's like, oh, I totally got this. And then you like crank it up a level. And all of a sudden you're like, and I'm a cripple. I can <laughs> I am unable to function here. Well, it's just new resistance because you bumped it up a new level. And so the rewards are greater, but the resistance can be a little bit greater too. And so God's not surprised by that. And he just invites us to praise him and encounter him and walk with him. And every place that he calls us to go, um, he leads us into those spots with him. And so this, this, um, fall season, I believe as a church, we're moving into new territory. I think God's calling us to shift our view just a little bit. We've spent several years on really building uh, the family, really building our connection with one another. And I believe God is beginning now to release us into how do we launch out? How do we begin to see and impact our community and the spheres of influence that he's called us into? And so part of that is uh, us each embracing the call upon our lives. The thing that God has called us to do and be, and it's us as a church helping you fulfill that call. It's us seeing what what it is that's in you. Like, for instance, when Maya said, I I have this vision from God to do this, we didn't say, like, well, we need to harness that then. We said, how can we support you? What, what is it we need to do to come alongside you? How do, we, how do we enable what needs to happen? And there's so many here. You've got business ideas. You've got uh, relational ideas. You've got ministries that you have on your heart. You've got things that God's been brewing on the inside of you. And it's time to begin to step out. How do we do that? We begin to be developed in the house of God. We spur one another on to love and good works, right? So we want to talk about this a little bit. Basically, why are you here and why are we here anyway, right? The concept of the church, um, there's been a lot of talk over the, the years, just church in general. Society will say, I think church is irrelevant. Even within the body of Christ, there's been people who were like, you know, when, when we couldn't get together, when people were doing just church on live stream, there was a lot of people who are believers in Jesus Christ who decided, you know, I actually think the church is irrelevant, I think God is important, but I'm not sure the church is important. And today we were, we're going to step into that a little bit and just 
establish once and for all what the church is. There's actually a formal name for this. It's called ecclesiology. Doesn't that sound exciting? Ecclesiology. It's the study of the church. So we're not going to dig into it too far, but this thing is, is the understanding of what the church is and what role it is meant to fulfill in society, in life. What is it that God has actually intended and what has it drifted into being over the years? We want to come back to what it is that God says we are supposed to be. We've all heard that we don't go to church. We are the church, right? You've all heard that. The crossover is, I believe it's actually both. I believe we are the church and we go to church. We are, we are part of something that's bigger than us, but we also carry the presence of God and God lives in us. It's kind of the same thing as, you know, when you ask somebody, you know, where, where, where's home for you? Home is where my heart is. Okay, but also what's your address? Like, like, yes, you can be at home wherever your heart's at rest and wherever your heart's at peace, but you also have a place where you live and you have people around you and you have, you have a life. For some, when we say, where's home for you? We mean like, where did you, where were you raised? Where did you grow up? Where's, what's your history? It actually means other things. So the church is, yes, us. It's us as a people. It's us as individuals. It's us, um, you know, functioning and carrying Christ into the the atmosphere around us, the world around us. But it is also this gathering that we are part of where people come together. Now, this church, we could pick up and we could move to a Quonset. We could move, you know, and have church in a field somewhere. It's not dependent on the building per se, but it is a gathering of people with the same heart, the same mind, the same father, who are called for his purposes, right? And so this church, it's a specific thing. In fact, the the quote by uh, Robert Vallon says, the church is not a building, but a body of believers with specific nature and purpose. So if we look at this, it's not a building, but a body of believers with a specific nature and purpose. So if you're part of a certain church, we're all part of the, the church of God, the kingdom of God, when we come to Christ. But when we come and we're part of a church family, we have a specific nature and a specific purpose. Ultimately, all churches, um, you know, if they're followers of Jesus Christ, they all have the basic same thing. And so whether it's, you know, ours within Victory is reach, teach, mobilize. Um, Some churches it's believe, belong, become. Um, Some churches it's like Salvation Army, I think is heart to God, hand to man. Like it's always about the relationship and the outflow of that. So we put different words on it, but that's the same. It's basically the Great Commission. That's what the body of Christ is called to. But when God puts us in a body of believers, we have this specific nature, which is the nature of Jesus, and a purpose. It's going to be the kingdom purposes that God has for this group of believers. The kingdom purpose is the things that are on God's heart for us to reach into. So there's a lot of good things that we could be called to do um, or we we could be approached with. But what we're looking for is not just the good things. We're looking for the God things. What has God assigned for us to do? And if you are part of a specific body, your thing is going to be part of our thing. And our thing is going to help your thing. Does that make sense? So this is the flow that we want to step into today and, and realizing that this is actually a conscious choice that we have to step into. Mel talked about the surrender. 
and the two-handed surrender. You know, it is so possible to, to come and be um, an attender at church for a long, long, long time and never really engage what it is that God wants you to experience there. It is possible to be a believer in Jesus for a long, long, long time and never actually grow. It's the difference between being a convert and a disciple. A convert is like, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. Yes, I believe he died on the cross for my sin. Yes, I believe he rose again. Yes, I believe he forgives me. Yes, I believe I'm going to be forever with him in eternity. A, a disciple takes that and goes, therefore, because that's the truth, my life is now his. His life is now mine, and everything should change for me. There's a difference there, and I believe that this particular family of believers have been called to be next-level disciples, like fully committed, out there doing it, right? And there's a passion on the inside of us that honestly, if it's not pointed at something, becomes self-destructive. It becomes this thing where there's just this restlessness and an agitation because it's meant to be directed at movement. So we want to look at this. We want to look at the shared identity and the personal identity. There's a shared responsibility and a personal responsibility. There's a shared assignment and a personal assignment. We need both pieces of that. If we have just a shared assignment, but we never think that the church stuff rolls over into our personal lives, we'll miss out what God wants us to experience in our day-to-day. If we only are focused on our day-to-day -day lives and we come in just to sit in church, we will miss out on what God has for us in the bigger picture of the shared body. So we need both parts of the equation. It is literally this coming together. It's something that we see absolutely book of Acts, the beginning church. We don't see everybody, you know, come to a knowledge of Christ, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all quit their jobs and just come live at the church. We do not see that, right? We do see that people carry out their lives. We see people who are, you know, obviously invested in industry, business, community influence, and they come and they also give what they have and they share amongst themselves so that nobody does without. And they go from house to house and they're sharing the word of God and they're praying together and they're ministering together, but they also have like a life, right? It's both. So if we say we're, we're looking for that next level place to step into, it is going to cause you to experience God 24-7. That is the goal. This is not, Christianity is not the thing where God's like, I want to just be the ketchup on your hot dog. He's not the add-on. He's not the condiment to life. He is life itself. He's the core thing. And therefore, that trickles into everything that we do and are. So we're stepping into that today. We are part of this family of faith to do good to all. Galatians 6.10 talks about doing good to all, especially the household or the family of faith. There's something that we experience here. The do good to all is out there, but especially to the household of faith. So the combo of what happens in here and what happens out there creates this fullness to life that is rich, it is prosperous, it is dripping in the goodness of God. So we want to talk firstly about what we're up against here, and we're, we're all dealing with this. Number one is a consumer mentality. Consumer mentality is like, if you were just to describe North America, these two words cover it. Consumer mentality. It is the, I want to speak to the manager mindset. 
about everything. I want to speak to the manager about this. I have this mindset that I want it my way, in my timing, in my idea of packaging. I want to feel like I am somebody. I want to feel like my five bucks owns you. I paid for this coffee. You will listen to me rant. You, you know, I need it to be a certain way. I, I mean, we talk to anybody who works at Starbucks or Tim Hortons. They have all, if they've been there for any length of time, like a, like a week, <laughs> they have probably had somebody go off on them about something that didn't come out just right. Like I wanted, I wanted oat milk and this is not oat milk. This is some other kind of rice milk or something, but I don't, I, it's not what I ordered. <laughs> okay. Honestly, no reason to freak out on somebody about this. I ordered extra hot. I can swallow it. I can sw it's not extra hot because I can swallow it right now. What I want is to be able to set it in my cup holder for 10 minutes and then be able to swallow it. But if I can swallow it now, it's not extra hot. I'm bringing it back. I want my money back. You know, come on, we do this stuff. This, our culture, I was thinking about how businesses, I mean, we get, we get um, baited in by the the rewards that we might get if we do the online surveys for various stores or whatever, but we are actually trained. Go online, fill out a survey. Survey. How was your service? How, you know, are, are you happy with your experience today? Did you find everything you wanted? Whatever. Fill out the survey. Tell us how we did, which sounds good, right? Sounds good because we want to make sure that we offer you the best experience. But what it has trained our culture to do is, I didn't like that. I don't think, I don't, I think that could be done better. I think that lady should have smiled bigger. I think they should have the thing, the shelves stocked a little bit differently. I think that they should actually have the spaghetti sauce by the spaghetti. And if not, no, I didn't find what I was looking for today. And so I'm going to make sure that I talk to the manager about that. And we, we are trying, come on now. How do you feel about it? Did you like it? Was it everything that you wanted? Was it everything you needed? Now, yep, good for customer service, bad for church. Did you like it? Was it the temperature you wanted it? Were you comfortable? Did you have enough space between you and the next person? Did anybody talk to you? Did anybody not talk to you? Did somebody shake your hand, not shake your hand? Do you want them to shake your hand, not shake your hand? High five, wave at you, what do you want? Hug me, not hug me? Like, we need buttons at the door that say I'm a hugger or not a hugger, you know? We need something that's like, you know, fist bump for me, kind of. Some people are like, Literally, we can get, we're offended if too many people talk to us or we're offended if nobody talks to us. We're, it's like somebody shook my hand and their hand was slimy. Oh my gosh. Other people are like, nobody shook my hand at all. Could you talk to that person, sit by them? Because obviously they're a handshaking magnet, you know? Like, it's not, it's, it's this thing that in this, in this realm, we care about what people think, but in God's realm, we care about what he thinks. Is he happy? Sunday morning, did he enjoy it? Was he praised? Did we worship? Is he honored? Right? That is literally what we're after. And, and when we say, well, it's, it's, you know, it's not the same at every church. It's different volume levels. It's different length of service time. It's whatever. How do we know what God likes? I'm thinking, considering if you look at like mankind, and we all came from Adam, and we all are made in his image, I'm thinking he likes it all. 
I'm thinking he likes the quiet stuff. I'm thinking he likes the loud stuff. I'm thinking he likes the expressive stuff. I'm thinking he likes the contemplative stuff. I think God just loves it when his kids pour out their whole hearts, whatever that looks like, right? And so when we come into the, the church setting, the kingdom setting, we want to come into it and we're going to have to fight against this. We're going to have to fight against the what am I getting out of it and more about what does he want from me? How can I serve him? How can I honor the Lord? What should come out of my life? This crossover. There's this um, super famous quote by John Calvin. He said, the human heart is a factory of idols. Every one of us is from his mother's womb expert in inventing idols. Isn't that true? Like, honestly, we could look at that and we, like, that is totally true. An idol is something that has our attention and our affection. What I believe is a risk in North American culture is that that idol is very often us. It is. It's what do I want? Am I happy? Have I experienced what I want to experience? We all admire, you know, when you get to hear somebody who like plays the piano and it's just like heaven came down and dropped it, you know, guaranteed somebody paid for music lessons. Guaranteed, there have been hours upon hours upon hours spent rehearsing, practicing, hitting lousy notes, you know, over and over again. It, 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 it never comes without a cost. It's never comfortable. Anybody who's like a, a stellar athlete or a, you know, a great scientist or a physicist or politician or whatever, they have developed a skill by layers of sacrifice, layers of putting it out there when it's uncomfortable so that you can shine when it's necessary. I believe that that crossover, that's more of what God's calling us to, is the what can I pour out so that I can experience the the next level thing that he has for me? What's the place that he wants to have in my life? So social um, observation and psychiatry and psychology right now, they're analyzing this concept of a consumer mentality. And the, the breakdown is they've come up with there are two main things that shift. So to compensate or to cure consumer mentality is number one, a producer mindset. Number two, a growth mindset. Number one, a producer mindset. Number two, a growth mindset. It's interesting because both of these things are actually kingdom principles. It is how God has made us to be. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. There is a producing that God has called us to and a growth that God has called us to that's built into human uh, makeup. It's built into our design. And so when it comes to God's plan for us, we have to consciously shift out of this if we're going to experience the fullness. And so today we're covering the, the producer part of this. And it is literally shifting from asking about gatherings, about meeting with people, about Bible studies, about, uh, you know, your workplace or whatever. It's shifting from asking what's in it for me to asking what's in me for you. It's shifting from asking what's in it for me to asking what's in me for you. 
literally coming into a room and saying, what is in me to offer? What is it? I come to church. God, what's in me to offer you? What's in me to offer to other people? How can I love? How can I bless? How can I serve? What is in me to offer to this situation? If you shift into that, it changes every experience of your life. Every relationship, every workplace, it is understanding that God has put something in me that is meant to be a blessing. When we say we are blessed to be a blessing, it is literally that. There is something of God in me that is meant to walk around this world and bless. I am meant to be a carrier of his goodness. I am meant to be a carrier of his love. I am meant to be a carrier of his kindness. And some of us today, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I am actually so empty and so drained and so dry, I don't have anything to offer. Then your first step is to offer yourself to God and to say, what's in me for you? I'm giving you this pain. I'm giving you this fatigue. I'm giving you this dryness. God, I'm coming and I'm bringing my whole heart before you exactly as I am. I don't feel like it's much to offer, but it's all I have. I'm bringing you my brokenness. I'm bringing you this space and I'm choosing to honor you. I'm choosing to recognize you. Wayne and I were talking about this this morning. Actually, if you just read through the Psalms, you know, King David is constantly going, ah, everything's come against me. These people are lying about me. These people are attacking me, but I will praise you. He comes and he's, he, this is where he's at. And he comes and he gives what he's got. He doesn't come and say, all these people are coming against me. He's like, you need to do something. It's coming from that place of humility and recognizing that there's something in me that God wants to produce out of. So the producer mentality, number two, we're shifting from a consumer mentality to a producer mentality. And I want to just sit on this uh, one for a little minute. We're going to talk for a bit about the feeding of the 5,000. This is one of those um, parables in the Bible that is actually repeated almost word for word in uh, the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 9. And it's this passage, if we read it in Matthew's version, we'll see how there's been this um, move that God has had. He's called together his 12 disciples and he sent them out to do the work of the ministry. And he sent them out and he, he gives them these instructions and they're out there and they're, they're ministering to people. They're seeing people healed. They're seeing uh, demons cast. They're seeing like the kingdom of God advancing. And they come back and immediately after this, also John the Baptist is killed in there. It's a really like jacked up personal time where everything just seems to be swirling. People are tired. They've been ministering, all of this stuff. And then we go into the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus actually starts this passage and he's, he's leading them, you know, out of the city. Um, basically, it's time for them to go and have a bit of a quiet time, a bit of a refreshing. They personally need to take in something. The disciples have been pouring out and they need to take in. And so we're going to pick up at verse 10 of Luke chapter 9. And it says, And the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately to a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. 
And he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitudes away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and, and uh, lodge and get provisions for we're in a deserted place. Now just pause there for a minute. Jesus, they've come back from their mission They've been out doing stuff. They're telling Jesus all the wonderful things they experienced. Jesus says, let's go away for, you know, a quiet place together. Let's have a meal. Let's get away together and, and just be together, be refreshed. And the people show up. Like, put yourself in their position for a minute. You have been waiting for this vacation of a lifetime. You have been working hard. You've been out there doing stuff. Your mind is set on this time away. And suddenly, the people show up. What is your response to them? They actually hold it together all day. Jesus is ministering to them. And, and, and obviously, the disciples are there. They're holding it together. And then they're like, but you know what? It's the end of the day. So could we maybe just send them a, like a home or away or something? And you know that in the back of their mind, they're thinking, because it was supposed to be our day off. This is supposed to be our recovery day. This is supposed to be like, I need something to take in. So then Jesus is like, he pulls this move that it's like, what on earth is he thinking? Uh, let them get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. Verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Yeah. No, no, you were going to feed us. We were, we were the receivers of this day. And now you want us to be the givers of this day? How is this? And if they had a consumer mentality, they would have been completely blocked off at this point. Right? But instead they're like, well, oh, um, Okay, we don't have a lot to work with here. You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go out and buy food for all these people. Like, surely you're not asking us to do that. Um, for there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. This concept is so interesting because Jesus answering, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves, two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of these people. They had shifted into, this is all we have. We don't have anything to offer. Jesus is literally asking, what do you have to give? They're like, we don't have much. What do you have to give? He's, he's teaching them a principle. He's teaching them that in the middle of their brokenness, their fatigue, their emptiness, there is something that is a next level release that is available to them. Why this matters is because a lot of us feel like we actually have nothing to offer. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm nobody. I have no special talents. I have no special gifts. I don't have a lot of money. I can't contribute in these areas. I have nothing to offer. But Jesus knew that these guys were tired. It was the end of the day. And still he said, you give them something to eat. He didn't say, I will give them something to eat. He didn't say, make them sit down. I'll handle it. He said, make them sit down. You give them something to eat. Why would he phrase it that way? Because we always have something to offer for God to use. 
There is not a person in this room who doesn't have something to offer for God to use. Maybe you just met him. Maybe you're brand new in the things of God. He will begin to nudge you. There are things that each one of us have to give. And what they could find was very little. Now, literally in Luke's gospel here, it says that we have five loaves and two fish. We know they actually snagged that off of a kid. Um, they don't give him any credit in Luke's version here. <laughs> but all we can, we're looking around. This is all we've got. And then Jesus begins to show them how this works. And he begins to break it. When they offer what is available, they're willing. He takes it to the next level. I'm telling you, there are some of us in this place, you have this burden for a certain sector in society, for a certain people group, for a, a, a relationship, a business, whatever it is, you've got this burden on the inside, but you're like, who am I? Like, I have nothing, like, I can't do anything about that. Or can you? What if it is literally about just being obedient and saying, God, this is all I have. I, don't, I can't fix the whole situation, but I can do this. God's the one who brings the increase. All we have to do is our piece of it. And so I believe God's shifting our understanding to see this. What's really cool about this is that the, the follow-up to that is there's 12 baskets left over. There's 12 tired disciples who need to be fed. They could have said, we actually got nothing left, Jesus. We are done. We got nothing left to offer. We're at the bottom of the bottom today, honestly. And they would have gone home and maybe they would have snagged the kids' lunch for themselves and just split up the five loaves and fishes amongst them. They went home. There was a basket for each of them on the other side of obedience. There was a basket of provision on the other side of willingness. There was a basket on the other side of, I'll see what God wants to do with what I have. But instead of what do you have for me, God, this is what I have for you. It's the stuff where maybe you hear about a need and you, you think there's no way I can meet that need. But God says, just, just plant a seed. You know, just bring a, a $10 gift card. Just, you know, just ask, ask if you can help babysit. Just do the, do the little thing. It's, it's the person who you're like, man, I feel like God's pulling on their heart and I have no idea how to get through to them. Their life's so messed up. And God's like, take them for lunch. Well, what's that going to do? It's a start. It's something on the inside of me that I am giving God to work with. It's interesting because the instructions that God, uh, Jesus gave to the disciples just before they had gone on this missionary trip was Matthew 10, 7, and 8. It says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So when they were on church duty... I'll put it, just put it in that phrase. At church, it makes sense to give out. But then there's like the other six days of the week, right? They, when they were on missionary assignment from Jesus, Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Go do the stuff. I believe when they came back from the missionary trip and Jesus said, you feed them, he was trying to connect the sacred secular divide that was trying to find its way back in even back then. They had been on a missionary trip, that's sacred. But now they were back in its practical needs of people out here in the field and they're hungry and it's just regular life and we've got a problem. Jesus was saying the same principle that you went out there with on your missionary trip, it's the same principle in the day to day. 
It's the same principle of what you have received, you give. What you have is meant for somebody else. What you have can be multiplied in the hands of the king. What you have has even more power when it goes out further. What you have is this ability, obviously, go out and, and, and preach, uh, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's church stuff, right? It was, you are going out and you are being my representative to demonstrate what the kingdom of God is all about. And you're going to go do kingdom stuff. Next up, same day, they get sent out. People are hungry. They need practical food. Jesus is like, same principle. Show them what the kingdom of God is like. Show them that the kingdom cares about every part of life. That there's not just this God side and then there's regular life. It's the kingdom. The kingdom of God cares about every part of people's lives. The kingdom of God cares about the brokenness on every level. The kingdom of God is there to meet the cry on the hearts of people in every single issue, every single area of life. It is literally be, being willing to do the practical, like can I buy you lunch or can I pray? for you. I, I actually think that you might have some sort of a spiritual problem. Can we uh, sit down together and talk about it? It is literally the, the not just hearing like, oh man, I'm sorry that you heard that from the doctor. That sucks, eh? Well, I can't say anything because it's work. It's saying, I have received healing in my heart from Jesus Christ. When I hear about this from my coworker, I'm going to say, do you mind if I pray for you? If they're uncomfortable, you say, do you mind if I, like, I know maybe this is awkward in the office, but can I pray for you at home? Like, would that be, would that be okay? I believe that God wants to touch you and care for your body. It's the financial stuff. It's in the moment you hear this thing and people are like, we're going to lose our house. We're going to, like, we don't know what to do. We're at the bottom of the bottom. We've drained our savings. We are at the end of ourselves. And you say, you know what? I don't actually have, um, much to give, but can I, can I bless you with this 20 bucks because I want to just like call on God's blessing over your life. And can I pray for you? Because I believe that God cares about what's going on in your life. Can we actually put a draw on freely we have received, freely we give? Go back to the question. It is not about what's in it for me, but what's in me for you. This is the call. This is the call of the church right now. It is those basic things that is in the, in the everyday of life. What is in me for you? It is literally seeing, you know, when you're at a restaurant and the server seems like just off, it is being above and beyond kind. Instead of being like, honestly, we're paying good money. We expect decent service. It is when you actually didn't get all your food and maybe it's clearly a bad day for them, you tip extra. Because probably that server is going to get nothing that day. They've blown up every table. Maybe something's going on at home. Maybe they're walking through this, you know, horrible. You don't know, but you can be a blessing. You can literally not be super churchy, weird about it. Jesus is like, tell the people to sit down and feed them. Not make a big show of let's, let's do this big hole. Just feed people. Just make us extra sandwich, you know, just like do the practical. What is in me for you? That is the kingdom of God. Sometimes those practical things are the things that are going to open the door to the rest. 
cool thing about this is because obviously they didn't catch it the first time, but book of Acts, we see that there's a crossover. And Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 6 is the story of... Um, Peter and James going into the, or Peter and John going into the temple, and they're, uh, they're encountering this guy who's been crippled from birth. He's been begging at the temple gates. This is his career, basically, is just begging for help. And obviously, like, there's a big issue here. Like, he's got, he's got problems upon problems upon problems. People have walked past him for decades. And it's just like, that's, that's what he does. And so, literally, he's asking, and he's just, he's just like, you know, do you have anything for me? And he's not expecting a ton at the moment. And, and the answer comes in verse 6, when Peter says to him, first he says, look at me. Because he wants him to expect. He wants him to receive something. And then Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. Like, let's stop there. Jesus says, feed the people. We don't have much. We only have five loaves and two fish. He's acknowledging, silver and gold I don't have. I don't have practically what it is that you think you need. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He could have stopped at the first part. Peter could have said, silver and gold I do not have. How many situations of life do we say that? I don't know what the answer to your problem is. Sorry, that sounds sucky that you're going through that, but I don't have, I don't, I don't even know what to tell you. That's a consumer mentality. A producer mentality goes, I don't have all the answers for that, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. I'm going to look for what's in me for you. The fact that this situation has been brought to my attention means there must be something that God wants to stir up in me. There must be a seed that I can sow. There must be a prayer that I can pray. There must be some love that I can give. Do you know sometimes it is literally just being there to be with somebody when they just need to cry? Like, I don't know, I can't fix your problem, but can I sit with you? Can I be with you in your pain right now? Can I be with you in this moment? Sometimes it's you see something and, and people are clearly needing deliverance. You know, you don't have to be super weird about that. Casting out demons can be pretty simple. There, it, it can be just this thing that you take authority in Jesus' name and handle it. It can be just those practical things of actually being seen by somebody. So God's calling us into this. So Peter has this moment, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have... I give you. I've said it a thousand times and I'll keep saying it. I believe literally Jesus is the answer for every problem on the face of the earth. Literally. It means that if I know Jesus, I carry the answer for every problem on the face of the earth. I may not intellectually know what the answer is, but I know he's the answer. I know that he has a solution to this situation. I know that often it will come through the, the hands and feet of the men and women of God. I know that we are meant to carry the kingdom of God and there's meant to be a confrontation between the powers of darkness that have held and bound the people of this earth and, and the, the move of the spirit of God that comes in that says, I have come that you would have life and life abundantly. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring freedom to the captive. I carry that. You carry that. You 
carry that. Do you know it's as simple as, you know, right now we've got this massive issue, um, you know, with the homeless population in the city that has grown um, exponentially in the last couple of years. There are lots of practical reasons why that is the case. There's um, a lot of people discussing the whys and the hows of it, but ultimately we have the option when we're driving downtown to either just go, oh, this is terrible. It's getting to be such a problem. Or to be like, Lord, we just invite your presence into this situation and we're praying for a breakthrough that every demonic hold that's over the minds and hearts of people would be broken in Jesus' name, that they would encounter your love, that they would encounter your presence, that the spirit of addiction would be broken in Jesus' name. And God, we're asking for a solution. We're asking for a God answer. And if I'm meant to be part of it in some way, God, I'm opening my heart and my mind to receive it, but I am willing. So it's not what I can't do, but it's what I can do. I can pray. I can do battle. I can intercede. I can offer a sandwich. I can be part of something that's out there. I, you know, that's, that's ministering directly. We've got, um, a situation, you know, just with the, the fall, our fall festival in uh, end of October, you know, Amber said, would it be okay if we ask, because we're, we're treating this as an outreach, we want to open it up to the community, but can we, can we gather like socks and underwear and whatever and partner with some of the community outreaches downtown and just, you know, begin to care for people in a practical way? Yes! Yes, we can! Yes, we can buy socks. Yes, we can buy underwear. We can do, like, there's something that we can do, and we can pray and we can intercede and we can speak life over those who have been spoken death over for probably most of their lives. We can release the kingdom of God into the atmosphere around us. So what do I have? Finally then, we're shifting from this consumer mentality to a producer mentality to a ministry mentality. Essentially, this might be a lightning bolt for some, you are called to full-time ministry. We ask these in church, we'll say, like, do you feel like you're called to full-time ministry? What we mean is, do you feel like you're called five-fold, work at a church, uh, full-time missions, whatever, like that kind of thing. But the reality is the word of God says that there are some that are called to that, but the majority are called to full-time ministry. So I want you to just see this, and we're going to pick it up more next week, but Ephesians 4, pull it up in your Bibles. This is worth meditating on. It's been this process in my, my own heart and mind over um, the last season, just like, what, like where are we going as a church? Where, where does God want to take us? Um, do you know, like some of us are pretty decent at events and vision casting and, you know, whatever. Like we can, we can get a vision, we can get a plan, and we can probably harness everybody to make it happen. But I believe the vision has already been laid out in the word. And so there will be events and there's going to be things that help this vision come into action and come to life. But ultimately, from the very beginning, it was spelt out. You know, when Jesus said, okay, you're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In my name, you will. He wasn't talking about three people that work at a church. He was saying, all of you who know me, in my name you will. 
So this is the goal, is that we experience the activation of God's kids. I mean, in this church alone, let alone the body of Christ around our city. Can you imagine if even 50% of us were actually sensing the activation on the inside? To ask ourselves in every day, what do I have to give? What's in me for you? Can you imagine the impact it would have? In every business, in every sphere of society, in every neighborhood, it would begin to shift the atmosphere if we start looking for how do I release the kingdom of God into this place? How do I release the presence of Jesus into this place? How do I walk in love? How do I shine the light? How do I be the city on a hill where, where, where people can see the light? How do I stop cursing the darkness and instead shine the light? What does this shift look like? So Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now those are the ones that we often think, and we often hear, are you called to full-time ministry? That's what we mean. It's the people who are called to, a better word for it is vocational ministry. Are you called to this kind of ministry as you know, as a life career kind of thing. Is this the thing that God's calling you to? And I mentioned it last week. It's, it's less about being the boss of things and it's more about being the coach of those who are actually called to full-time ministry. It's literally about ministering. How do I know this? Because it says, it goes on and it says he's called these people, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then we should no longer, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do you notice the focus is not the growth of the body? That's the end, that's the result. There is a growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. But the starting point is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. If we focus on the growth of the body, we will miss out. We will have to function in a way that pleases men and pacifies a consumer mentality. But if we focus on equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, the product is a kingdom product. The product is healthy growth. It means that every single one of us here has a purpose. Every single one of us has a call of God upon our lives. Every single one of us has something that can be released into the world around us. St. Augustine, I've used this quote so many times, I just love it. St. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. This is the thing that God's calling us to. And I, I just want to leave this as a challenge for this uh, season. I believe a lot have had this restlessness. Um, obviously, we've come through this massive global shaking. I would say this is an opportunity because anything is possible from here. 
the fact that most of the structures of the life around us have been broken down, the fact that most of the expectations of people have been shattered in some area, the fact that, you know, it's not going to seem weird to people if you're like, I, I feel like I'm going to change careers, or I feel like I'm going to move to this area, or, you know, I, I feel like I need to spend more time um, serving in this place or with my kids or whatever. It's not going to seem weird. There's this opportunity right now for us to either go after this thing that we produce out of our own soul or the heart of God. And our hearts are restless right now because there has been so much movement. There has been so much shaking. There has been so much shifting. But when my heart knows that it has found its rest in him, that I am known by him, I am seen by him. I am loved by him. I am called by him. That the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens this body. Then the spirit of fear doesn't get to intimidate me any longer. The fear of lack does not get to shout out in my ears any longer. The inability to, to produce something doesn't conflict with my drive any longer. I actually begin to just settle with him. My heart has found its rest in you. And so God today, what's in me for you? What's in me for you? This could change everything. I'm telling you, I believe we're on the edge of one of the most productive, fruitful seasons the body of Christ has ever seen. The awakening sound has been released. And with the awakening now, there has to be movement. Your soul will try to find an answer for that awakening. But the Spirit of God is saying, let your heart find its rest in me. Step out of the consumer mentality that is around you on every front and choose to surrender every day to me because we're about to do something. Jesus was just saying, you feed them. And what they got to experience was a miracle beyond any miracle they could have imagined. They actually got to be part of seeing probably 10 to 15,000 people actually fed, right? And they got to experience the leftover blessing on the other side. So what's God calling you to? Let's stand together and have the worship team come. It's exciting, huh? This new ground, though, I tell you what, when we're part of the corporate body, it is so much easier to step into the new stuff when the people around you are too. And we can encourage one another in it. We can spur one another on to love and good works. We can see what God's got for us. But I want to pray over us today, and we just want to dedicate this new season to the Lord and His purposes and His plans. And tonight as we gather for pursuit, and I really want to encourage you, if you haven't been before, 6 o'clock till 8-ish, um, it's just open worship and seeking the Lord and committing our time to Him. It's always the best night of the month, so we would love to have you here. But we're going we're gonna to take this to the next level tonight and pursue Him with these things that He's stirring up on our hearts. So God, today, we thank You. We thank You that You are the God who sees all, who knows all. You are God who loves us completely. You are the one, Jesus, your, your blood sacrifice for us has paid the price so that we can know you, we can be in fellowship with you. And Lord, because of that, when we come into that relationship with you, we can say it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so God, this invitation to begin to ask, what is in me for you? 
What is in me to, to give back to you, God? What is in me that you've given to, to release the kingdom upon the earth? Your kingdom come. Your will done on the earth as it is in heaven, God. We want to be part of this. And Lord, I thank you that this morning you are moving upon the hearts of your people to expect more. Lord, I thank you that you're calling us into that place that Peter shifted into where he, he recognized what he didn't have, but he also knew what he did have. And Lord, I thank you that for each one of us, there's something on the inside of us that you want to use for your glory. There's something that you want to use for the expansion of your kingdom. And God, I thank you that you're stirring up the dreams for the above and beyond what we can ask or imagine. God, I thank you that you're stirring us up to expect supernatural. You're stirring us up to expect miracles. You're stirring us up to expect changes in things that we thought could never change. You're stirring us up to expect release and breakthrough in areas that we thought were locked up tight. You're stirring us up to see a release of your spirit upon this nation, God. And Lord, I pray for confidence in your people. Right now, I take authority over every lie of the enemy, every voice that says, who do you think you are? God, we recognize that it's not us. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ lives in me. God, the spirit of the living God is upon us. And so, Lord, we take authority over those contrary voices, those minimizing voices, those badgering voices, God, that would try and get us to sit down and be quiet. And Lord, today we choose to stand up. We thank you that you're speaking to us. You feed them. Lord, we thank you that you want to do the extraordinary through your kids. I thank you, Lord, that every place where there's been a a sin blockage, a bondage in the past, Lord, even today, as we choose to surrender to you. God, if we come to you and we confess our sins, your word tells us you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. None of us has disqualified ourselves beyond the point of your redemption. God, I thank you that you can cleanse, that you can restore, and you do put us on the path with you to experience the fullness of your plan and your purposes. God, I thank you for hearts that are awakened to your voice. And Lord, we thank you for the more that is before us. We thank you for a fruitful season. We thank you for a time of growth. And we thank you for reminding us to ask the right question. God, we thank you that it's not about what's in it for me, but what's in me for you. And we thank you for the release of that in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.